This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Blank Podcast, podcast where we talk to well-known people about their lives, their careers, and those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Perry Phillips, and with me is Jim Daly. Hello, hello. How you doing? Here's Jim. It's <laughs> Jimmy boy. No, no axes. No, no, I'm not bashing down any doors. I'm just, I'm just here, man with the microphone, saying hello to you, Giles, and asking how you doing. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad, actually. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Uh, last week was my birthday, so I'm officially 37 years old now. Um, and try not to think. You feeling f- feeling 37? I feel exactly the same. I feel exactly mm. the same. But birthdays, you just age is a number, isn't it? Age is a number, and like the older you get, the the less you want to celebrate your birthday. It just becomes. It becomes mm. like when I was younger, I'd be like, I've got to have a party. I've got to do this. I've got to mm. go and like celebrate. Now I'm just like, if I have a nice day with my family, then that's exactly. all that matters. And I did. And that's all that matters. So, and a um, nice, nice bit of food. Nice, but you can nice treat yourself. Food. Yeah, yeah, nice bit of food. Um, so, yes. Although, we, I don't know about you, but like I've since I got into my 30s, I've been generally quite confused about my age anyway. So, I've quite often said I'm at the wrong age. Mm. Like, with my vets team, I quite often say, find myself going like, oh, I can't run after that ball, I'm 37. And I check myself thinking, oh, no, I was only 36. Um, none of that matters. I often put myself a year ahead. Yeah. I often put myself, yeah. Yeah. So what it is, it, almost immediately, I've turned the age mm. that I am, I'm the next year. It's like, it's like you're psychologically preparing to be that age. So if I, if yeah. I say it, then I am. When really it doesn't matter, it's just another 12 months, I'm not you're the same like person. throwing away a year. I know. Every time. <laughs> It's really careless of your years, Joe. I just keep losing them, them away. <laughs> I know, I know. It's um, it's very silly, really. So I, I'm trying to jump that into myself that I'm not, you know, the year about the year ahead, because yeah. um, yeah, just wasting you. So I know that I'm 43 now. 
But I am still in my head. I'm still thinking, oh, no, but you're 44, and I'm not. You're 43, and also, you know, a, yeah. a lot can be done in a year, can't it? As, Absolutely, as so much. We've seen in the last lockdown. Yeah, we've this podcast has grown massively. We've released a book. You know, it's been it's mad, really, what we've achieved in a year. And so we need to we need to we need to save these years. We need they need to be precious to us rather than sort of throwing them away. Well, I think it's. It's something I'm always talking about is the fact that we're always looking ahead or behind us and never in the moment. Mm. And, uh, it's something that we need to do more of is be present and enjoy these moments, you know. And uh, yeah, if you're always looking ahead, I think you're just never really enjoying what's going on right now. I think that's very true. Yeah, it's true. Why do we do that? We, I don't know if it's like, sorry to get sort of really deep but like it's almost like more painful to be in the now and it's sort of easier to look back and easier to look forward because you're not mm. it, you but i think going looking back is often not good for you because you're sort of thinking about things that you can't now change and then obviously looking forward sort of induces sort of anxieties about what's what's ahead what lies ahead whereas you know actually if we're just kind of taking things minute by minute um you tend to yeah you tend to focus on the now you you tend to appreciate things a bit more i think i don't know yes but it's something we will have to work on unfortunately it's very true it's very true well speaking of the now mm. uh we've got a fantastic guest this episode literally i mean i guess i am looking forward a bit but i'm talking minutes literally in minutes <laughs> we're gonna have uh the wonderful nina conti um who's just a fantastic comedian um wonderful person and she joins us in a bit to talk about her life and her career. And it's a fascinating episode. We really get into sort of the nuts and bolts of ventrilo- ventriloquism. Why is that a word I find so difficult to say? Um, it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one to say. It is. It is a weird one to say. Um, so, yeah, she's uh, such a kind person. There's a real... We talk about warmth, actually, on sort of warmth of audiences and shows and sort of feeling the love on stage. But she is also a very warm and a considerate person as well. And we, you sort of... You sensed that the minute she logged on. She's a very thoughtful, very kind person. So it was uh, it was lovely to be in her company for an hour and, and a fascinating chat. Oh, Nina's fantastic. I mean, I've been trying to get her on the podcast. I think I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, she's one of the first people I ever sort of mentioned about it. I think she might be one of the first blue tick followers I ever had on Twitter. Wow. So she was someone I was like, oh, I'm going to get. I remember sending her some of my kids' books for her, her children when they were younger and... Uh, yeah, I've always been a massive fan of her work, and I think she's yeah, she's incredible, incredible what she does, and um, and and finding out more about how she does it as well on the podcast was fascinating. I mean, you know, so much improvisation and spontaneity goes into her shows. I mean, that is amazing that she comes up with the quality of material that she does. You know, just off the cuff, um, in a live, you know, in an intensely live um, uh, environment. I mean, it's. You know, it's no wonder, you know, when we talk to her, that you know, there's certain anxieties that bring, get brought up before she goes on stage and stuff. Because, you know, I think, you know, I get anxious on these podcasts if I haven't prepared a few little things beforehand. Um, so I'd better think what it would be like in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a real skill, isn't it? And she's mm. incredibly good at it. Um, but it was interesting... I mean, maybe we'll talk about this after the pod, but like, it's interesting what she talk about sort of being truthful and being truthful to herself while on stage. And she's obviously two personas out there. She's being herself and she's being the ventriloquism dummy as well. And it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really fascinating uh, sort of dynamic, I think. Uh, one that I've not really ever sort of given much thought to as well, but 
I've always had respect for it and I think I have more for it now having sort of listened to the the nuts and bolts as we said of, what, of how it works so anyway listen let's 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 stop teasing it we'll, we'll we'll talk a bit more after the episode about it but let's delve into it before we do that though uh should we tweets. read t- some tweets out from our lovely listeners we certainly should i've got one here from dr christy gp she says i'm not a podcast person but i decided to give blank pod a go starting uh with emma kennedy calm soothing inspirational thank you giles and jim i don't know what i've been missing makes me want to right now and try some lego hey there we go very good uh and hopefully you are a podcast person now hopefully we've converted you to a life of podcasts um so <laughs> thank you very much for that tweet. lovely uh we do appreciate your tweets so please do keep sending them in uh, we love reading them um makes us feel very lucky um someone we're also very lucky to have on the podcast is Nina Conti. So I think we should go straight into that episode now. Uh, so this is the fantastic, legendary Nina Conti on the Blank Podcast. <laughs> well, do you know what? It's such a treat to get you on because... Do you know what? When I started this podcast with Jim, um, I think Hi, I might have been Sorry. one of the... F- that was, this Hi, nice Jim, to meet yeah. you. Hi. Uh, Hi. <laughs> and, and nice to I meet you, want- Giles. And- yeah, and you. Um, I think you'll probably be one of the first people I asked to come on. And really? Two years, two, yeah, two years later. Um, do you do it or- every week? Yeah, mm. we, do. we do. Yeah. It's quite that a lot. That is of- a- It's hardcore. Yeah. yeah, I've just started one and I've... Um, 14 episodes in and it's weekly and I, it, the edits take days and it's a, it's a real I mean it's a commitment isn't it it is yeah. we, we decided early doors because of the fact that the, the podcast is called blank and it's about you know, blank and difficult moments and going blank and all that kind of stuff we thought that it would be a really good thing to do was, would be to leave all that stuff in and so we don't edit <laughs> Oh, that, right, nice. Right. Which, which is yeah. much more, yeah. Makes much a lot less time-consuming as well. <laughs> you know, it was just like from the straight. Let's, how easy can we make this be? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. I and mean, then you're yourselves as well, which is nice. I think we're doing characters who talk stuff, and some oh, of it. Are you? Some of it mustn't see the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> is it sort of? Um, yeah. Is it going into sort of um, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore kind of territory? Like, kind of... yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. They're they're called Richard and Greta, and they're like Canadian, like sex sort of characters. <laughs> oh. They're in, they're in a relationship, and they're there to help everyone else in theirs. It's that kind of thing. But um, that sounds yeah, amazing. It is fun to do, but it's oh, it's a real. It's a pain to edit. What's your demographic? Is swearing uh, out the Swearing's way? allowed. Fine. Okay. Very much okay. swearing allowed. Um, yeah, anything goes really. I mean, okay. obviously, if you're, you're self-monitoring in your own podcast, you probably know what's good and what's not. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, Nina, 
Um, obviously, yeah, it's taken us ages, me ages to get you on, but um, I'm really grateful for you to come in on. It's really lovely to 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 have you on, and um, big fan. I'm of very work. I'm very grateful for your uh, open invitation, and I'm very sorry that <laughs> no, I'm here don't. so late. No, please do not apologise. <laughs> it's fine. These things have to take time sometimes, <laughs> but they're always worth the wait. Um, obviously, you grew up in you're from London originally. I am. Yeah, and you 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 know you obviously. Your father and mother both very well known in their fields. Um, did you always think you would get into performing and doing performance? I found it daunting as a child. Uh, uh, the um, the gregariousness of the people I grew up amongst was um, intimidating. I mean, not not there's no blame in this at all. It's just that my reaction was to go very quiet and look around and think, how do I enter this? what have I got to say you know what, what could I possibly add it's all taken care of I'll just I'll go I'll just sit and sometimes I would go under the table I, I spent a lot of time under the table with the feet because that was very chilled out down there um and so uh I guess I mean yeah that's that's one memory of how things were but that's not all, because I can also remember things that are incongruous with that, like putting on plays at my mum's party. So I would make, you know, do a show. And it's embarrassing to remember people <laughs> gathering around while I did The Twits by Roald Dahl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's weird, isn't it, looking into the past and trying to find anything consistent about it. It's, uh, But it was, I think it, it was a mixed bag. It was a mixed bag of being very, very shy but feeling also that there was this imperative not to be. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, sorry, can I just say that Under the Table is a great name for a podcast. I think. <laughs> Under <laughs> the Table with Nina Conti. It's great. I mean, you can see that on Acast or, or yeah. Audio Boom or wherever you want to. Get rid of the Acast thing, Charles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we've, we've just moved to Audio Boom, so I need to make sure that, yeah, we, we cut that out. Um, but... <laughs> I was the same. I was I was a shy kid as well. And I think when you're a kid, you feel like the adults have got everything sorted. Like they all seem confident yeah. and they know what they're doing, especially if you're talking about sort of performery adults. Like they've got that extra level of confidence. Like it just, and then you get to that age and you realise actually no one knows what they're doing. But when you're young, they just seem like they got the world like sorted out. Absolutely. I thought it was something that you would one day learn to talk at dinner parties yeah. like when you were old you would be able to and I uh, it, that never happened it's still uh, dinner parties still I find them quite daunting um yeah it's funny but then I, I guess you end up just looking like you know what you're doing too a little bit when you're I don't know you're better at I don't know it's it's a it's required of you and you do it I suppose yeah and I so think it's we talk about this on the pod sometimes, Charles. There's, there's an element of blagging, I think, that sort of comes into mm. life in general. I feel like that's my one life skill, particularly just sort of blagging and getting through it. And if something's coming up, it's a social engagement. I'm going I'm to get through it. I'm going to look like I'm enjoying myself and people are going to think I'm, you know, great. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but there's, an, I don't know, I just feel like there's, I think life is quite confusing and quite daunting and tiring. You're talking about dinner parties. Like If I have to host a dinner party, which obviously we haven't been able to do for a, you know, a year, 
I, I, I know it's been joyous, I've been knackered. Having to have exactly. around for <laughs> well, I sort of want it, and then also know <laughs> I'm going to be like knackered at the end of it. But it is quite sort of tiring putting on that public face and being out. It there. is quite long too, is it? It's not like something you pop an appearance, burn fast and bright, get out, <laughs> yeah. so keep it up. <laughs> but that, but I mean, that's also a completely narcissistic way to look at socialising, and I'm <laughs> trying to uh, understand. Uh, you know ourselves as organisms that are responsive beings they're not like we're not like a person that walks around being themselves everywhere I don't think that there is that consistent identity Mm. Uh, so we and somebody alone in a room is it's hard to remain a person if it's week upon week upon week what are you then? It's the, you, you actually enter into a different kind of being. Yeah. Sorry, I'm t- jumping in deep. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> and this dinner party's longer. <laughs> I can't burn fast and bright. <laughs> Slow down. So, do you think is is it that kind of shooting the shit stuff that I? I mean, that's, that stuff's difficult, isn't it? I find anyway. I think just generally when you go to the hairdressers, anything like that, it's always quite difficult. I think actually diving in deeper might be a better way of doing things sometimes. Although mm. obviously some people might not. Yes, you might cause us. Yes, and suddenly there's a bit of a bristle around you. People thinking, "Oh, beware of her. She's going to." <laughs> yeah. Ask She's kooky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Small talk's a tough one, though, isn't it? It's, it depends. It depends on the context. Because actually, you probably don't mind it in a hairdresser. Or I, I yeah. would love that, actually, because I've been starved of it. But mm. um, if you find yourself making small talk with a friend where you know you should both be doing better, it can feel a little <laughs> bit like a failure. <laughs> Yeah, or, or it's like you sort of you then go home and have like a post-match analysis of your performance in the small yeah. or you weren't yeah. very good at that anecdote, Jim. That was or oh, that was bad and bad listening there. Five out of ten. Oh, that's every conversation I have. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, is, it is like that sometimes. So, uh, sorry, going back to your 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 earlier days, were, did you find that you, there were a lot of kind of um, I was going to say hedonistic, but that's probably not the right word. But were there lots of kind of uh, dinner parties with with famous people, um, where you felt like you know that this was a sort of you know an interesting world to find yourself in. Uh, yes, I think that there were occasions that I yeah there were, um, yeah uh, I definitely noticed some people. Uh, uh, John Candy came round once, and wow. Uh, wow, he was really a big. He was just a big presence, and he was really like ships, life and soul. It was like an amazing event. So I, I do remember that, just wide-eyed, just going, oh wait. And he was doing um, making out of serviettes, little bunny rabbits, and doing like little bunny rabbits. I don't know. I just remember like being in like hysterical laughter the whole time. He gave me a fifty-dollar note. I don't know. Remember what that was about? But I was just like, wow, and a fifty-dollar. And the, the bunny rat, you know, he was just a big life and soul of the party. And that was, so it was fun, but all, I just didn't know. I don't know what I ever said to anyone. I just can't even imagine how I got through those experiences. I was just in, in awe, I was gawping. Mm. And then um, and then when I was 
this is all a very kind of privileged uh, upbringing and I'm very self-conscious of it. But well, I went to, my parents sent me on a cooking course and uh, when I was about 15, there was just one week of cooking and then Arthur Miller was coming over for dinner and it was decided wow. that I was going to make the dinner. Oh, wow. Because, <laughs> just because I had done this cookery course and uh, I thought, okay, uh, yeah, I'll do that. But it, I, I actually chose something, chose to do something that wasn't one of the things I'd learned on the course, which was a bad error. Risk, And then risky. a big risk and, mm. and lost confidence as soon as it was starting. Soon as the night was upon me and they were all in there and I was cooking, I was just suddenly realizing, what have I done? Why have I thought, why, I can't do this. And it was like a rack of lamb with the herb crust and the herb crust was all burnt and fallen off. And it it was a disaster. And I had a meltdown in there with everything breaking and, uh, yeah. And then I just remember sitting just penitent and like eyes downcast as everyone (laughs) ate this food, just feeling... (laughs) mortified mortified not being able to think of anything except Marilyn Monroe and just that oh this is this the worst night of my life I really <laughs> how did yeah. it go down how did it was it well received I'm sure they were all very polite <laughs> and that probably just made me even more sh- ashamed oh this is delicious oh yeah. don't oh don't you don't have to <laughs> you're wrong is, it's not this... it's terrible <laughs> yeah. this is the finest rack of lamb I've ever eaten <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it is ridiculous. A fourteen-year-old or fifteen-year-old, whatever it was, cooking a rack. It's a lot of pressure to put on you. A lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By the way, one of the greatest playwrights of all time is coming round. Um, <laughs> but also, and I also think it's something to do with my parents. Their their way of like throwing me. You know, I probably they were thinking, come on. You know, bring out your bohemian. Yeah. You, you yeah. Go, come along. Is well, it? we'll get her to cook. Come on, come on, you'll do that, and we'll all have it. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, again, I'm thinking this is another great TV show, like cooking for famous people when they come round. I should have gone under the table. You should have gone under yeah. the table. <laughs> That's the, really where I wanted to be. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's funny though because, um, like that sort of parents embarrassing thing. I think, like, I mean, we used to have my. Dad used to have people around for dinner, and they would, they would come in from the pub, so they were sort of a bit jolly anyway. And then I think I, I think I must have been able to do a couple of impersonations, like John <laughs> McEnroe, like the real. I'm talking real '80s obvious ones, like John McEnroe. I think Jimmy Cricket. Um, oh, right. do you remember Jimmy Cricket? You know, come here, come. You know, yeah, all that. Oh, right. type of, oh. Um, uh, and, was it uh, chalk dust? Did you used to do chalk dust? Or yeah. chalk- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For the <laughs> Mac and Yeah, and I was, it was just like, I think it was just a kid shouting, you cannot be serious, with oh, an yeah. American accent. I think that's all I was doing. Um, but they used to wheel me out when they had people around. And like, oh, do your impressions, you know. And, um, oh, isn't he, isn't he cute? And isn't he hilarious? Um, yeah. Would you, would and you and sort that? of just like dying inside. Us, would you do it now for us, Charles? I don't, I don't want no, to figure no, too much. No, I can't, I can't <laughs> begin to. No. I'm already starting to feel a bit <laughs> okay, um, yeah, hot and clammy <laughs> yeah. at the thought. <laughs> no feeling, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 it's all coming back to me. Yeah, thank you. I'm regressing rapidly into that tortured soul. That God damn you, John McEnroe. <laughs> standing in the doorway wanting to hide and run away. But yeah, wanted to run under the table probably. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that 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 yeah, it's almost quite torturous, really. Horrible parent I had. Um, but yeah, thinking about it. But yeah, I I I kind of empathise with that to a degree. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it's something I hope I don't put my kids through. And it's terrible because you find yourself, you want to celebrate them. And you know, when you were having yes. that lovely time <laughs> and yeah. we all found it so funny. Yeah. yeah. Tell everyone about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do actually. Wow. Actually, I do that. We've got an 18 month old and I do that with her. You've already started young. Man. Yeah. Wave, can, you, can you wave to the to you you know mum and dad granny and granddad or oh can you clap and stuff and i think oh I'm, I'm already i'm already getting her to try and perform actually and it starts so young because you are proud of them and like they do it for you personally and they're like oh you're so clever and then just yeah actually I've just well you want everyone to love them you do I mean, it's yeah. a, you're thinking let's have lots of love around you in the world and if you do that you'll get it so do that. exactly <laughs> yeah yeah but we went to my sister and her husband's the other day like first time we could see them in the garden and stuff and maria my daughter just, just lay on the grass so i'm on her side looking at harry my my brother-in-law for about an hour and then she went we were like maria do you want to play with these no okay do you want to, can you wait wait no are you just gonna stay there okay cool and that was a new thing <laughs> we let it happen we let it happen so you know, that sounds very happy. nice. Yeah. It was lovely. It was nice actually, and it was yeah, it was nice to see them, and nice for her to see them, and them to see her, and sort of get back to a bit of normality. But I am now really aware of pressurizing her into performing and and doing stuff. Um, but it's just hard not to. It's just oh, it's just so hard not to. You just I know. Well, most things come from a, a good place, don't they? If they do, I think it's only coming yeah. from a good place. You wanted to do that, yeah. I think so. Yeah. So the cooking didn't work out, uh, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> and uh, out of interest, what was what were you learning on the course? Can you remember that you should have Yes. Cooked? Well, I didn't want to because it hurt. Uh, it was a langoustine uh, sort of carbonara or something like that. Oh, oh okay. weird. I mean, it was like heavy cream back in those days. Mm. Everything had double cream in it. I, I had to break open the langoustine and pull out its intestine. It oh, made okay. me sick and the shells went up my nails. I was never going to do that again. Oh. But it was just like five days. And of course, oh, Nina can cook now. So Nina will do you know, <laughs> Yeah, Nina can do. cook anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rack of lamb, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so at school, was, did you do any sort of performing or anything at school then? Yes, I did A-level drama mm. or GCSE drama. So, yeah, there were little bits in there. And uh, I I think I enjoyed it. I didn't ever get a part in the school play. I remember that. I'm feeling quite uh, chagrined about that because my mum directed it. And... <laughs> oh, boy. That is the, the ultimate <laughs> rejection, isn't it? Yeah, and it doesn't marry with her wanting me to yeah. be, come out of my shell. Well, then why didn't you give me a part? Do you really think what I'm shit? What was the play? What was the play? <laughs> um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, okay. Well, you should have got one of the parts in that, surely. Yeah, I mean, what was wrong with... Oh, I'm getting a phone call, so that might have no interrupted worries, no worries. my thing. Let me... Um, I'm just going to... Oh, it hasn't interrupted, but I'll put it on to... Uh, airplane mode um yeah so it was yeah what about lucy or, or well i was gonna say peter well and something yeah. it was like the, the third uh reindeer whether that isn't in the book <laughs> <laughs> oh that sounds that's very that's very tragic uh, <laughs> um and then i don't know i did i did a little bit so i came out of school thinking well, this isn't a reliable life, this performing. It looks mm. very dicey and I should go to university. And uh, who knows if I really thought that or whether that was kind of being drip fed to me by my 
by my mum. I'm not really sure, but I, I went off to university and did philosophy instead of going to drama school. And my best friend went to drama school and I spent every weekend of my university driving down to be in London with her and her drama school friends, thinking, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's more fun. Did you enjoy philosophy, though? I mean, it's I did, an interesting actually. subject, isn't it? It is. It is. It's wonderful. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I find it very rug from beneath the feet and just go with what you've got. The whole thing's such an open question that, that like, you can't... I really like that. I think it's a refreshing way to mm. attend to things. We had one of my modules at university. I did journalism, but it was lots of different factors of it. And, and a bit of it was philosophy. And I, I always found it interesting. Um, more so, you know, we talked about small talk earlier. I actually would I would rather would get deep with someone and that sounds really weird. Um, I rather would talk about sort of important things like that. Or I just find that sort of more interesting than sort of surface level small talk, even though I don't actually feel like I know much about philosophy. But I just like just the idea of it or, or sort of the idea of questioning stuff, I think, is is more interesting than sort of a lot of things we talk about this is, this is someone that did one module by the way so i really am over talking it big time um, well yeah i did one it was one module that made me do it I, I was there to do history and then i did a module of philosophy and he was throwing us moral dilemmas you know like we come upon 10 villagers and the chief of police is going to kill them all unless uh because then no one's saying who stole the chickens or something this is a weird world we're in already but um <laughs> <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> that's bad. So, it sounds like the police chief has really sort of massive power trip to be honest yeah, yeah. He's, I think he's a dictator isn't he I, know. I mean there's control. already so much to unpick there um, but uh, I and then you come along and the chief of police says take the gun and you kill one and we'll let the others go free you know like and if you do is it your fault and all that stuff i think it was about personal um yeah it's a while since i did it but i remember and then so then if you do god sorry if i'm just uh, telling you stuff you know this might be really really well known i haven't mentioned this in a while but then if you do suppose you do kill one save the nine then that means you're a utilitarian because you're going for the greatest happiness of the greatest number. But mm. that, if you take that forward, and that's like the rule you live your life by, then you end up doing awful things to people all the time for the greatest number. So I, I just remember thinking, this is perplexing. I need a roadmap for life. And um, I've got to work, I've got to work this out. What's the right thing to do? And then realizing what's the right thing to do? Jesus, that question. That's a tough one. <laughs> really tough. But I guess it allows, my, my wife did sociology and she, she, she just loved the idea. What she loved most about it was the fact that you could have conversations with people and, you know, you would open up debate and stuff. And I guess that's part of mm. the interesting thing in those sort of subjects is you can have those conversations and learn about, I guess, talk to people that you might not have the same opinion with which you know but have it in a sort of yeah. healthy way yeah healthy way healthy conversations what it's all about isn't it right now very divided times mm. yeah yeah there's not a lot of healthy conversations going on certainly on yeah. on social media yeah um, yeah yeah i wondered like if a philosophical question could have been something like you've got eight guests and one rack of lamb <laughs> 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 and one table to hide one under. Table. What yeah. do you do? Yeah. yeah. 
What's the right thing to do? <laughs> um, <laughs> Run away? No, but it is, it is no. Sorry, being, going back to the more serious point. Yeah, it's it is very. Oh, we've talked. We talk about this a lot on the podcast, but the the um, the binary nature of of conversation now, and um, and obviously social media um, uh, sort of worsening that. Do you do you spend a lot of time on social media, Nina? Uh, no, I I use it in a pretty uh, a surface way for information about where I'm working and stuff like that. I don't, I'm not, I'm not diving in because I just find it too. It's just an inflammatory place, and there's so much. I don't know. It's it's unhealthy, isn't it? When you can just press a button and go, there you are. That's what I think, and it's so harmful. It's scary. Um, no, I don't spend a lot of time on it really. I've got the. Th- three accounts Instagram Facebook and Twitter but not really me it's sort of monkey it's a professional thing I don't comment as myself well I was going to say yeah going on to obviously what you do like being a ventriloquist with with uh, uh, you know you're able to put out a lot of your thoughts via via monkey um, or, or, or you know some of your other puppets and uh Obviously, like people <laughs> thinking about it, a lot of people use social media to to say sort of things that they might not say to people in um, in polite conversation. Um, you know, I've never sort of really thought about there being a, a well, monkey there. live being a monkey's dicey. Monkey is <laughs> a little dicey to use. I made a series of bedtime videos that recently, like t- nighttime chats with monkey and. Uh, the very first one I put out, I was like, "Whoa!" I ran into the reeds there. I, I, I he, he called me a fat slapper, and I said, "Don't use that word." And then he picked up on it. Oh, word! Oh, so one of them's okay. So which one are you objecting to? And then I'm like, "I don't like either of them." And that, but you know, it's that sort of thing. And there's a grey area, and he, but he's there. I don't know. So it's putting out. Yeah, we'll never know. <laughs> they're both bad <laughs> um so yeah i don't know it is it is a dicey thing because i think you're distracted as well you know you're doing ventriloquism you're making your own face look like you're listening and you're trying not to get in the way of, and censor too much and so yes it's uh it's a, it's a recipe for disaster if it wasn't for the fact that it's not really a being. Yeah. yeah, he's not really accountable, and I don't really think that I'm doing a character so that I then respond. But he just like he reaches out and says the thing, and then I spend my time apologising and deconstructing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess as well, you know, Monkey Live is different to Monkey on social media because when you get on stage and say live stuff. It's a different environment, isn't it? It's 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 out there and then it's gone. Whereas there's only so many people in the room. Whereas when it's on social media, it's it's there. And then if you kind of overstep the mark or say something that you might say on stage, on Twitter or Facebook, it's there forever. And it's just it's a it's a different dynamic to sort of manage, isn't it? Yeah, it feels a little hotter, doesn't it? It doesn't cool its jets. But I think also live. I I do also have to be careful. Live. I mean. And in life, it's not my intention to ever harm. I just don't want to do that. And I don't want to find my comedy by doing that. So mainly Mm. it's me that's the butt of the joke. Mm. Um, And 
and I might really worry after a gig on stage if something was okay and if somebody is okay, you know, that kind of thing. Definitely, I get worried. Uh, hopefully, it is. I mean, I, who knows? Who knows? I really hope I've never... Oh, God, sorry. What an area. Um, but I'm certainly not thinking about any one thing. This is so no. common. It's It's nightly. I mean, it's every time. It's yeah. every gig. I go, I hope that bit was okay, you know. Yeah, it's hard not to. Yeah, well, that sounds to me. Oh, sorry, Giles. No, no, go for it. So, so, that sounds to me like you have you have compassion for the people that you're bringing on stage and your audience. And I really do. I really do. But there, there can be situations that are trickier to navigate because there was, like, for example, there was one man long ago who did a little bit of. Uh, he wasn't very nice to his partner and he was like making this sort of uh, gesture of kind of slapping and mm-hmm. the audience just went no not that guy and then I was also saying no that's not fun stop that everyone's like the, the atmosphere just drained so fast in the room and then but then I I'm responsible I have created this situation I've got this guy up I didn't know what I was getting now I'm also responsible to him because now he is a man who everybody hates in the room and he has to go back to his seat so I mean it's that sort of thing, and that's the horrors of having an unscripted show. Is you can end up in a situation where you're just okay. That's uh, what's the where's the duty of care? What do I do? Where's the what's the what's the plan? And you follow your instinct, and often the audience really is a is a pretty good moral guide. I mean, the way they turn off, they're not like oh yeah, your wife. They're all just like no. So I mean, there's compassion runs in that in that community through through the audience i think as well mm. um i guess i feel i feel that way yeah i always use the audience to choose who i include in the in the uh interactions because they they seem to be a pretty good judge of good souls they know who they like yeah um, and as you say you can feel it you can feel the atmosphere you can feel when they're approving and things yeah. are okay and then when when then we all feel safe and now we all don't yeah, yeah exactly yeah and but you're you are the yeah so you are the sort of the head of that and even if someone's come on stage and they've said something horrendous it's, which is totally not your fault you haven't told them to say that you then feel responsible for everyone in that room because you are and it, it could just easily be a bad decision i mean the guy's on stage he's not a performer he doesn't know what to do so he's just did a dumb thing you know who knows it might just be a dumb thing or maybe he's like that who knows it's mm. so it's a minefield it's really complicated yeah <laughs> yeah that is tricky um, what did you do with that guy in the end do you know what i can't remember i think i calmed it all down and i think i tried to suggest all the things i've just said like that maybe that yeah. wasn't you know like you know you're, you you, do, you can do less you can do less let's <laughs> yeah. like let's yeah. make sure we all you know you didn't mean that did you no that it didn't you know <laughs> i think i'm kind of making it up because i can't remember exactly what i did but mm. i imagine it was along those lines yeah but you, you sort of talk about that sort of performer anxiety for most gigs is that just something that you've sort of always had around performing for sort of from the start to now or just anything has it got better over the years yeah yeah i think so i mean it's water's warm once you're in i think always but getting in is always frightening always frightening just before when you're in the dressing room it can be quite it can be quite unnerving mm. it's different if you're in a play and there's other people you can kind of chat about and get but like 
solo and you can hear the thrum out there you're just thinking don't let it down you've got to do this that's quite scary mm. um and uh and it's such a weird membrane you seem to pass through from behind the curtain to on because the lights change the atmosphere changes and you're you're new like i said you're a different organism suddenly you're not the yeah. you're just a responsive you're different yeah you're cuttlefish and swimming in front of a totally different set of colours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You sort of, you're on. You can suddenly feel like you're on and you, you become... Yeah. A different person. Yeah, I mean, how can, you, how can you console yourself? A transformation will occur and you will no longer be this worried person behind the curtain. Just trust me, that will occur. But you can't feel it coming and you are not in control of it. <laughs> now walk through that door. <laughs> it's a bit like, um, do you remember Stars in Their Eyes? Uh, and they'd go through the... The, uh, with the, 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 the a dry normal... ice would come yeah. out, wouldn't it? And they'd be a normal oh, person. Right. Here's Steve yeah. from Kettering, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. In, in his normal, more man clothes. And then he goes through and he comes out and he's an old Gallagher going, he's a different, <laughs> he's a different person. And that's kind of what it's like. Well, I do hope he won. I hope he won too, yeah. Good luck to him. Um, well, it's like running at the wall in Harry Potter as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then you're sort of through the other side. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's weird. Hmm. Yes, weird. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to end sections. <laughs> I just look at Charles. And I just yes. look at I just look at Charles and hope that he'll say something. That's how this podcast works. <laughs> Thank God we got Zoom. Thank God we got Zoom and we can see each other. <laughs> no. Check my recordings. Checking both my recordings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, my, oh, the buttons are still going. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> there's too many things to think about. Jim, it's us again, and uh, we've got some big news. We have indeed. Uh, Giles, I can't believe I'm saying this. We've written a book, a book about blank moments based on this very podcast. Yeah, we've been recording this podcast for a while now, and as we've been doing, we've realised that everyone has these difficult blank moments. All our wonderful guests that we have on the podcast and our listeners get in touch with us all the time tell us about their own situations their own experiences of blank moments and sometimes that can be from a personal life from their career the relationships they're in or maybe it's a public situation yeah i mean it really it's one of those terms that can be applied to anything social anxiety imposter syndrome just sort of generally being off form having an identity crisis i mean it's all part of the human condition and yet we all get thrown off from time to time and sort of made to feel a bit helpless yeah so the book is made up of all these different chapters that sort of concentrate on these various themes that come up in the pod so whether it's uh, public failure social anxiety fear mental health grief all the things that our amazing guests have talked about on the podcast yeah i mean and those guests include louis theroux david harbour reggie hunter dawn french rachel paris amanda abington john ronson rufus sewell gary lineker all these people that really opened up to us about these difficult moments and what we've done is we've dived into them um explained how we relate to them talked a little bit about our own experiences and almost gone on a journey of this discovering blank moments and how they've helped us and we hopefully we take the reader on a journey with us 
Yeah, there's loads of stuff in there for everybody, I think. It's a bit memoir, it's a bit self-help, and there's lots of interactive bits in there as well, so you can do your own gratitude list, and there's tips on uh, if you're having sleeping problems. So all different things that you can take out of the book. And where can people get hold of this book, Jim? Well, so it comes out in March in 2021, but it's available to pre-order right now from Amazon, waterstoners.com, and hive.co.uk. Yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to everyone getting their hands on it. And uh, hopefully lots of people will be able to identify their own blank moments. And you never know what you might find out. But getting into ventriloquism, I'm mostly, you, you know, you said like you, you, you're doing philosophy and your friend was doing performing arts and stuff. And you kind of, that was something maybe you kind of in the back of your head you were like oh i wish i was doing that so how did you get from going from obviously finishing your degree to 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 doing the to doing the stand-up and the and the comedy and the and obviously the oh, yeah well that's a that's a long decade and a bit i think so uh i'll try and make it re- reduce it to the, <laughs> um it, it was slow i mean i did start doing Acting. I tried to do acting. I ended up. I got an agent quite fast because of my dad's connections, and uh, suddenly I had an agent. And I was going up for meetings, and I didn't get any of the jobs. And then the agent let me go. And um, I thought, okay, right, yes, not going to just breeze in. It's not going to be that easy. Um, and I was just very unformed as a person. Very uh, still a wash wandering and not really sure and sort of just shampooing my days away that way and I and then I I started to realize that I I would put on some plays so with some friends I liked we put on some shows and things like that and then it started to feel like having a bit more control or you're mm. booking a theater and you're writing to people and saying you put a show on and that you know it's that kind of thing bit more work but then still thinking I could get away with acting but not happening just not not happening and then I I went to see I'd actually seen him before Ken Campbell at the National Theatre mm. and he was doing he was telling stories he was doing a one-man show and he was telling very outlandish stories that you couldn't really believe were true places he'd traveled things he'd discovered vaguely occult vaguely philosophical <laughs> very radical mm. um very uh, absurd and you know challenging and everything confronting i just thought he was the best thing i'd ever seen i he really shook me up and i sought him out and and i happened to hear that he was doing a show and i turned up and, to get a part in it um just hung around i didn't have a part i hung around i hung around until somebody left and i got their part and so I, I just went like a moth to the flame to this guy because he seemed to have all the elements I didn't. I thought if I stand near this guy, even though he's frightening too, maybe some of it will rub off on me. I, you know, I need something on this blank canvas. And then um, it was him that suggested I try ventriloquism. And that was a few years, few years later, a few years down the line of having worked with him and stuff. Mm. And I was then, by then I had a tiny part in the Royal Shakespeare Company. And I wasn't really doing much or saying much. And he, he, uh, I really kind of missed him and I sought him out. And he, he, he sent me a teach yourself ventriloquism kit. <laughs> it was a piece of mischief to overthrow the Royal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> <laughs> like, do this. This is the real stuff. I was like, ventriloquism, you're joking. It's awful, isn't it? It's like the least funny art form. 
And he was like, no, this is the stuff, you know, this is what the witches used to do back in <laughs> Salem, you know. This, and, uh, and so I just kind of got started. I, 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 I did his bidding because he was terrifying. <laughs> and, uh, and and I found uh, I found it quite satisfying. I found it quite satisfying, and a huge relief if we imagine this whole build-up of unspoken thoughts and hiding under tables and all of that. And then suddenly I had this 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 thing that could take the heat off me and was free and didn't I could say things. Uh, yeah, it was it was a big moment, big change, and that was it. That was I guess it was about twenty eight. So that that suddenly felt like your thing. Something had come along, and it was sort of it was for for you. It absolutely felt like that, and I feel very lucky to have had that moment because it's very easy not to. You can wander about thinking, "God, this doesn't really feel right." And what, I mean, it had been. I'm not really sure what this is. Me, am I right for this? And this, I was like, "Yeah, this is my this is my pen, mm. like a left-handed pen or a pair of scissors or something that's like made to fit." You're like, "Oh, this." <laughs> thanks yeah. and and monkey was um a kind of a meant to be feeling about the face he had and the voice that seemed to come as soon as i started talking with him i had had another puppet and it wasn't much fun it was one of those mannequins um with the side east side eyes and horror film oh, okay like an old school kind of looking <laughs> horror film. like corky from um yeah. that film with anthony hopkins which i've forgotten the name of but yeah yeah um magic yeah, magic, it, magic, yeah. it was one of those and it was only deviant it was that was i know monkey is a little bit but there's a warmth to him i think mm. but this guy was just uh, icky and um sexual in an icky way it wasn't kind of platonic enough or something i don't know what it was just i remember starting mm. with this going this is working as an illusion but who wants it <laughs> i mean who wants yeah. this guy he's not making the world a better place and so yeah then i then i picked up my and then i remembered oh i've got that monkey maybe that monkey's mouth will open and took his stuffing out and got my hand right in and yes it does open just a tiny bit and what would he say and suddenly when he was talking i was like you're my guy um so who knows if i've embellished that like looking back to make it feel like it was kind of a, a eureka moment but i think there's truth in it i think it mm. did i think it was it was that's how i remember it well i think i mean i've watched um her master's voice a couple of times right. I watched it again recently it's a beautiful film beautiful film Thank you. Um, no, it is, and uh, very poignant and heartbreaking in parts, actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you, you know, you talked, you know, obviously you talk about that on there to a certain extent. He's he's there, that yeah. puppet I was talking about. He's in that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's that sort of malevolent, yeah, sort of malevolent kind of yeah person who's <laughs> like very very horrible to you at most at every opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a cold face, isn't it? Yeah. But that that Funny. kit as well, that kit that you got from Ken is is obviously you show that in there as well, and you had a very kind yeah. of. Um, I'm trying to think the the puppet in that or the doll in that is, uh, very basic. Uh, puppet in the kit. Was it like a sort? Is of, it like a crow thing? Oh well, yeah, like a rubber crow thing. I think. Yeah, he didn't actually come from the kit that guy, but ah, yes, okay. I think in that kit you had a, one of those uh, plastic squeezy things. Oh, that's it. That's what I'm thinking of. Um. But the, yeah, those kits are. It's funny that I, it was a thirty-day, 
30 booklets in 30 days, 30 days away from being a ventriloquist. Anyone oh, right. is, you know, yeah, we'd follow those booklets. <laughs> and did you? Did you rigidly follow them? I started and then I was such a sister a bit. And then Ken would say, I'll teach you it in three minutes. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, that, I mean, yeah, and obviously you talk about it in the film a lot. And obviously it was a, a very, um, you know, an important time for sort of building your repertoire and your career and, and how, you know, you've obviously gone on to bigger things through doing that. But um did you see did you see a path at the beginning though when you started doing it because i'm thinking like obviously i'm you know i'm a child of the 80s um most i guess most ventriloquists were in like entertainment you know in those days you know and children's television a bit more um not necessarily sort of harder comedy or adult comedy as such um maybe that's a uk thing i know obviously it's bigger in in the, in the states and stuff um Yes, and who knows? I mean, there were some. There were some very good ventriloquists, probably that weren't on the television because they weren't mm. fit for Saturday morning ITV. But I think, uh, yeah, it wasn't the coolest scene uh, from the television perspective. No, there's a good one called Terry Rogers. She was very good. She had a puppet called Shorty, and she was quite well to do. And she used to play the working men's clubs. And Shorty, you know, <laughs> really hold his own. But I, I think. Um, Sorry, I interrupted you, so I'm not quite sure what your question was um, about <laughs> no, the, that period. Well, no, I was just thinking it was probably a difficult leap, I guess, to take that, you know, to go into adult comedy, you know, playing clubs and stuff, particularly, when when I guess what was around earlier was kind of seen as us being sort of maybe more childish or, you know, I'm thinking more like Keith Harris and Spit the Dog and all that kind of stuff. Um, which was the kind of things I grew up watching. Yes, yes, it felt, uh, it did feel high wire a little bit to go to this pub, my first gig. I mean, I'd done a play, I did a ventriloquial play first that Ken Campbell had written, um, but during that I found that Monkey needed to be in the now without a fourth wall and it, yeah. it felt like a strong character and felt pigeonholed and acting monkey acting so <laughs> one level silly too far and um so i i got a gig and i went to the the ballon is it cool can't be called the ballon banana the night was the bedford in banana, the bedford cabaret. Pub in ba- banana cabaret yeah. yeah and they had a little competition night where anyone open mic could join in and I remember thinking god this is so different from the theatre because people are still getting their drinks and not sitting down it's still noisy and I'm just going to walk out there take a pop it out my bag and um but I felt or, or I sort of felt well monkey will be all right you know I, mean, mm. I could die on my ass but I have a feeling monkey will be all right they won't hate him <laughs> and <laughs> <That's true. laughs> So um, it gave me the courage to do it. But I think I was shaking, you know, I was nervous. I was really nervous. And I think the audience was really nervous because they were thinking, what is she doing with her teddy? This is going to be awful. What's she doing? And this poor girl, what the, you know, sit down, you know. Um, Who's encouraged her to do this? Yeah. <laughs> Where are her parents? <laughs> But you, but you... They're actors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the actor's daughter goes out on stage shaking with a monkey. 
Yeah, but you would have been memorable because most stand-up nights, everyone's doing the same. Everyone's doing the same thing. You would have been so memorable because you would have been so different. And I think audiences like that, they they will remember at the end of the night the the act that had the the that that had the ventriloquism rather than the five other acts that did stand up about dating or something. You know, it it you really do stand out if you do something different. Yes, you maybe do. You maybe do. Maybe that gave me courage, even though it felt a little bit embarrassing. I do kind of remember feeling, uh, amongst the comedians, like a bit of a fool because I had a monkey. Like, oh, you're doing that. You need that to do thing. You you need your teddy. <laughs> um, I I remember feeling a little bit embarrassed about that. Was did you think that there was less encouragement from other comedians because of that? Was there a bit of I think there might have been, I could have had a chip on my shoulder, so I'm not really sure if I was being defensive, but I think the way I felt then was that it was frowned upon as being cheating. Okay. Mm. And not real, not the real thing. Uh, But to me, doing it without was not an option. It didn't seem, I wouldn't be there if it wasn't for this different skill which worked for me. Uh, so it was just a non-starter like well yes I, I no I'm doing it this way or I'm not doing it I'm yeah. not, it's not like I'm not using this as a stepping stone to do what you guys are doing that's not I just didn't have the the persona for it mm. I think well you were, you were doing you as you say like with that feeling that that feeling that when you started doing it like oh this is oh this is it this is me then you're just you're, you're being truthful to yourself and doing it. and i bet as well secretly the comedians are thinking fuck i wish i'd done that shit i wish i was because <laughs> most of them are thinking yeah fuck that's such a shit fuck that's a i'm real... gonna get a duck i'm getting <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's googling googling duck puppets <laughs> in balham oh there's no duck puppet shots in balham shit um <laughs> But yeah, I think it's important. I mean, this comes up in pod a lot. It is important to when you find your thing that is you, to do it, no matter how different it might be to other people, or if it makes you stand out. Normally, a good thing anyway. Or if it makes you feel nervous or an outsider. If it's you and you know in in your gut, then that's all you can do is be you. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, it becomes challenging when it's something nobody wants because I, I remember thinking I, I wanted to be monkey a couple years ago, maybe four. I thought I want to lose Nina from the act because I felt like it was too much of a construct, this giggling, uh, apologetic girl. I thought, just lose that. Let's pare it down and, and you go on as monkey. So I got monkey made in this big uh, suit. And it was a very convincing version. I mean, she did a fantastic job, the one who made him, Vanessa Bastian. And I and I walked out, and the first time I did it, I absolutely loved it. I just did stand-up. I held the mic myself, and Monkey did an hour of stand-up. I didn't even write it, and it went down a treat. Wow. The second time... I don't know what it was just... You know, sometimes you're soaring on... on the hope or having forced yourself into doing mm, something mm. but the second show the first show and the fourth show it was a different matter it, it didn't have that and people were angry and people were thinking what's she doing where's nina this is ridiculous you want me to watch a you know like a mr blobby for an hour are you kidding and then there were complaints and the people asking if i was okay and it was really shocking my agent said well what are we to do with this like she my, my agent i think thought i'd lost my mind 
and sent me oh, well Nina we've had this from the box office and people are asking I just just want to know what you're planning with this show <laughs> oh, wow. and um I read these these angry angry emails and it was it was devastating it was really hurtful because I I felt like monkey was more me than I was and I was doing the thing mm. and it and even though it hadn't quite worked, I was like, well, just give me time. Mm. You know, I need time on the ball. I'll work, it, I'll work this out. But uh, after that, I couldn't go on in that suit without thinking they hate him. Mm. They need Nina. And so it, it only worked once, tragically. I think it might work a tiny bit short. I don't know. I don't know. But something broke. It's very hard to fix once something's gone like that, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Frustrating. just... It's frustrating for you though because you it's like an itch you need to scratch like i need to do this i need to do this and see how it goes i need to and that first night flying as well you're like oh shit this i might be onto something here. That's it, yeah that's okay. all i and that's all i said throughout that period was but it worked on night one <laughs> if you'd be <laughs> but then i mean it was obviously some sort of journey for me and other people weren't as interested in it you know yeah. But uh, yeah, but you do need know. you do need time sometimes to work this stuff out. It, mm. Audiences do mm. need to give you a bit of time to work through things. It's very <laughs> yeah. rarely you sort of land on something and it's ready. Like you need to just. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they just they they, they loved they loved what you did before and they just loved that so much they just wanted that. Back. Yeah, they wanted the back. And I think maybe what it looked like was a sort of self. Uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word. Indulgent. So, uh, no, more like self-erasing. Like a oh, self, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're being mean to yourself and people are like, ooh, don't do that. Like I, I squashed her. I did removed her. I was like, fuck Nina. It, never mind that you guys liked her. She wasn't real. And this is the, re-, you know, it was all yeah. a bit, whoa. That all sounds a little bit hard. Hmm. And um like you want Nina back and I would be like what was Nina she wasn't even she's got nothing to say she never said anything funny she's just you want her and I think people just thought this is too much uh, self-loathing for my liking (laughs) (laughs) I want to have a good time tonight (laughs) I I, I hear that as that they loved they loved Nina maybe more than you thought like they actually really loved her and they wanted her you know she was well i guess are we all a bit nina we we, we'd all be a bit most of us would be a bit apologetic a bit you know i'm thinking like in within the act you know you are Uh i guess maybe the audience to a certain extent um, yes apologizing for our naughty friend who says stuff that's not you know (laughs) and maybe that's what we relate to in a certain extent we love what what monkey says and you know he maybe says the things that we wouldn't um, but then we're that other person who's a bit like, mm, sorry, sorry. Yes, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that must be what it was. Yeah. Yeah, it's more relatable. Um, yeah. Grounding. Safe. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, all I want to do now is I want to see the, I want to see a monkey in the suit. I want to see the big suit. That's <laughs> yeah, I don't what know. I'm thinking of now. <laughs> yeah. One night only. Soho Theatre. Yeah, it was nice. It was really nice. Um, and it was also for me it felt a little bit like oh I can do stand up I mean obviously I can't because I was not doing it as me I can't do it as me but then any question that might come from those early days of working or you're cheating with a monkey or whatever I was like look I'm not you know I am a monkey but (laughs) I'm not doing ventriloquism I'm just making jokes you know yeah funny funny patch I do think people might have looked upon that era as a my errant 
um, <laughs> I lost my, when I lost my way. <laughs> Do you ever think about doing just regular stand-up, just you? Does it ever cross your mind? And it's really hard to imagine that that would be in any way an improvement on things because there's something about Monkey that can always top it. Mm. So even if he wasn't there and I was there saying things, I would be thinking of an extra layer on top of it. That, so it would just feel subtracted. It would feel like not the whole story. Yeah. I just can't imagine. Like even me saying, I forgot Monkey once at a gig. I left him at home. Oh, really? Really? And that one, that also was something that carried on the adrenaline. But I think if I'd have tried to do that the next few nights, it would have been kind of the same story. But I got away with it on that night because I l- kind of walked out on stage going, holy shit, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and, they're, and they're thinking she's doing a bit. Monkey's going to come out in a minute. He's coming yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. He's coming out an hour later. No, he's going to come out, honestly, for the final, <laughs> the big reveal. Stay with me. Stay with me. <laughs> <laughs> Night, guys. Thanks for coming. There's no, really, there's no monkey, honestly. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, actually. Wow. Yeah. Mm. What kind of, did you, I guess you had to tailor them, change the material on the spot. I mean, you, I know you've said you do a lot of spontaneous stuff anyway, a lot of improvisation. Oh, yeah, I, was, no, I still had to do that. I, mean, I certainly didn't have any material, certainly mm. without a monkey, even less. But I had to say, well, I would just say, so, hi, guys, how did you meet, blah, blah, blah. And then I, I would say, well, this is a nice chat, isn't it? If he was here, he would say, <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> and, I, and so I'd quote what he would, would say. And then I was like, sorry, sounds so mean. <laughs> anyway, how can I be mean to you? And then, yeah, kind of, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because we had um, Simon Brodkin on quite well about a year or so ago, and he just started doing stuff when he was he started doing stand up um, tour back when we could do that sort of thing uh, as himself, not as Lee Nelson, which is obviously you know his oh, big character. And he was yeah. doing and and he was saying in, in some respects, I think it was a freeing you know um, thing for him to be just himself, but at the same time. Um, it took, I think, it took quite a lot of courage to get to that place where he wanted to go out and do those shows as himself, yeah. and yeah. not be hidden behind, um, you know, a character that is well formed and people kind of expect. I suppose is yeah. the other thing as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's a brave move. Anyone who does that, no, I, I can think of a few other examples as well. When Pippa Evans became mm. herself after doing Loretta Maine for a while, and yeah, you go out. Zoe Coombs more. Um, is herself now. She used to be, I think his name was Ned. She used to play a guy. But yeah, it's quite, it's it, that's scary. And I I admire it. I admire it. I just worry that I'd like be too needy up there and spoil the funny. <laughs> <laughs> End up under the table. Apologize. Yeah. <laughs> you could have a table on stage for when... You need you to just go. perform under, under the table, maybe. <laughs> yeah, or maybe, maybe that's better. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's perfect. Oh, Front of Judy. Yeah, it's funny. I don't, don't know where that all comes from. Deep, <laughs> deep rooted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, like, I don't know. You, you've you're so successful when you've been so successful and people expect something from you 
I'm very much at the start of my career, so no one knows who I am. So it's okay if I sort of do whatever I want. People don't. They're like, okay, whatever. Oh yeah, Jim's giving it a go. But I guess when you're you're successful and and people expect something from you, then it is feel a sort of sense, maybe a sense of responsibility to sort of give definitely them what they want. Yeah, yes, and definitely people came. I mean, mm. people did all the they did the journey. They got the tube or they got, got dressed. They put their yeah, I don't know, parked their cars, did all whatever they did to mm. get there. I mean, thanks already, <laughs> and um, yeah. I hope it was worth your while, you know, and money and your money. No, I find a big responsibility to it, and and a lot of gratitude. I mean, I don't want to get sentimental, but I think about audiences because I haven't seen one for so long as yeah. well. The gratitude of them having got everybody turning up to it's so nice. It's such a nice experience. Um, so yes, you definitely want everybody to leave feeling closer to each other and happier to have been there and. Mm having fallen in love with the few people that had to come up <laughs> <You know? laughs> um yeah it's a nice it's a lovely thing live performance i can't wait for it to come back and i hope it I hope it does well i think your live performances are clearly very special as well because you have that interaction with the audience you know wh- when did the idea come for doing the masks though because obviously that's been a bit thing that has obviously Come, you know, you see lots of viral videos of those things now, those performances on Live at the Apollo and stuff. Was right, that something yeah. you wanted to do for quite a long time? Yeah, other ventriloquists had used them, and then there was a dispute about who had created them and who they belonged to, and there was legal. Oh no, history. really? Oh. Yeah, there was a big legal history to it. So for a long time, I avoided using them until I read something of somebody who had predated all of those, and he said, "Listen, I designed this here. Here's the." plans here's the date on it everyone nobody owns this this is a thing go for it i read that and then i thought okay maybe maybe we'll have a go at that then if it's okay and then but also thinking how can i make it different i wonder if would you mind saying something because my headphones have gone really weird yeah hello 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 hello, oh it's okay yeah it's just like a whistle whistle came maybe it's it's tinnitus (laughs) anyway um (laughs) so i got yes i i Got one out and I was trying to work out how I could make it different. And and the, initially I used a stooge and it was it was funny actually because he was very good, but it was safe. And then mm. we, we tried it the first time I tried it without him. And I don't know if it was actually I couldn't book him or he couldn't calm or something. I just did it with someone in the audience and it just felt electric because it was unexpected and I had to think of my feet. So that then became it was like an accidental stop, but it became the way I did things. And um, and I used to be really frightened of talking to people because I felt like a loss of control um if you did that like you might not find something funny to say and then everyone would think you was shit so I, I used to be very scripted uh but then it was a response to the warmth in the room that made me go this is warm this is mm. I feel <laughs> so sentimental I feel love in the room like the the amount of compassion for the person up there and my compassion for them and them trying, you know, being okay, but everyone's looking after one person and, but they're making them laugh and then they don't have to be themselves because they're kind of hidden. I just thought, this is, this is warm. Um, and, and not like I have to say something funny. All I have to do is try to look after everyone and then a good experience is going to be had because there's like something funny in the context. 
I, uh, get, I should just get out the way in a way and let it happen. Yeah, um, you're like the facilitator of, of the love. Wow, that sounds like a really cheap sort of 70s disco band. Sorry, facilitator of <laughs> love. Facilitator of love. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, but but you are. It's so, it's so nice to hear you sort of talk about love in the room as well because I think a lot of performers have so much sort of maybe fear of the audience and she doesn't go well it's oh they blame the audience or whatever and it's just like it's nice to hear talk about that love because i think that is it's always there i think the, the audience want you to do well and it's just nice to hear you sort of appreciate that i think you know performers need to appreciate that there is love in the room and uh and go with it as well and it sounds like you've really sort of em embraced that in your performances well, I find the laughter, the laughometer, as it were, is, is better when it's a celebration than when it's ridicule, definitely. I mean, if I found, suppose I found somebody that was a bit of a smart ass in the audience and I decided to get them up to teach them a lesson. I mean, isn't that already like yuck, yeah. bitter? Mm. And, and some people think that, I don't know the history of stand-up because of, I don't know, heckling or there's some bravado about it. So people think that that maybe is comedy, a gladiatorial thing. But actually, if you want to measure the laugh, I think if there's a, a kindness in the in the room, it's going to be more... It's funny I say all this. I sound... I feel... I feel really... More... I'm wondering, you know, are there examples to the contrary? I'm talking a good talk about the love in the room have i ever ridiculed someone i hope not i really Only hope every not gig. i would go i mean yeah no i think i'd go home feeling sick but yeah. i i don't know well enough everyone who was up there and what they were going through it's 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 intuitive and i can't say i've like never got it wrong i can't I, you know hand on heart i can like promise i've never got it wrong but yeah but it's it's certainly my modus operandi is to try and go where the warmth is and where the good feeling is yeah well i think that's that's a good way giles for life in general i think isn't it no matter what yeah. sort of industry you're in there will be some love and warmth there and if you can sort of search it out and find it then invariably everyone's going to have a better experience surely yeah and, and i would I, and argue argue that i mean i don't know if this is um if it's true but often the people that are actually involved um on the stage are the ones laughing the most and now whether that's due to embarrassment or, or just being like the focal point in their moments, but they're obviously like you know there's a a level of um, enjoyment and, <laughs> and uh, of being a participant yeah. in those moments. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. There was one, there was a couple, and this woman was talking about how her girlfriend had a much better job than she did, and they'd had to travel a lot, and so she, I was having her. It wasn't like just going for the love in that instance i was having her let rip at the other one <laughs> um and uh it felt nice i mean they were both laughing yeah, yeah. but it was you know uh yeah so it's not like all cozy sweet sweet i mean she's telling her to fuck off and die and get out of my life and it's like wow <laughs> It's, it's so nice. Everyone's, everyone's but it's lighthearted. <laughs> I can really feel the love. I can really feel the love. <laughs> Just wow, fuck off and die. Really... But I love yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think it's safe because it's not real. So, yeah. you know, yeah. liberating about it. It's the other, she's kind of going like this, and the other one's like laughing. But, yeah. It's like therapy. 
like on stage therapy. <laughs> are those um, are those voices cemented before you go on as well? Do you or are they slightly spontaneous as well? Uh, no, they'll try. I mean, I try to be spontaneous. There's a limit to how many voices I yeah. can do. So I've got a bit of a kitty, but I, I, uh, yeah, I don't choose the voice before the mask is on and the person started talking. I sort of look at it and see which which one is going to come out. Mm. Yeah, try to keep it all organic. <laughs> Does anyone ever come out that you sort of like? Oh, did it say that? Yeah, yeah. like oh. <laughs> when i've said things yeah or when you when you've yeah yeah Yeah, certainly certainly yeah certainly oh yeah 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 i mean i like fluff a word new york i remember fluffing a word and then saying i've got a a, a, because i just didn't get the words out properly and then did like sort of make a joke and say oh I've got speech impediment and then I was like no <laughs> what am I doing no not like in reverse reverse <laughs> but it's like an accidental um where you end up and your brain's just going uh yeah. this make it this then and then I was like sudden horror like Nina are you really intending to do this whole next session with the speech impediment <laughs> yeah because I'm going under the table. <laughs> <laughs> Visions of racks of lamb come racing through your brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's amazing that you do a lot of it so, you know, so much is spontaneous and improvised. I mean, did you, I mean, you obviously, have you done any kind of courses or anything like, or, or workshops on improvisation? Yeah. Yeah, not in improvisation, but I did. Uh, I studied uh, some clown work uh, with Phil Burgers, who uh, Doctor Brown is his uh, character name, but Phil Burgers uh, is an American comedian. He does he does a very good course in sort of clown work, which is literally really tough. It's like you you come out and you have to. You you like have to pick up a shoe at the front of the stage. You come up from behind a screen. You have to pick up a shoe from the front of the stage and leave with it. But you can only walk towards the shoe if people are laughing, and if they're not, you have to go back. So it can take forever, and it's the moments of despair when you're kind of run out and you're not putting a front on anymore mm-hmm. where the laugh comes. So then you move forward. But if you move forward too confidently, the laughter will stop and you have to go back. So I found that exercise like really pure essence of what we're talking about. And to come out funny with a funny walk. I mean, no one ever got a laugh mm-hmm. when they were trying to be funny. So there was just something I found that really, there's something about learning the truth at the moment and not try, not being fake mm-hmm. um, in that course that is very worth doing. Or I certainly didn't crack it. I mean, I think it kind of takes forever, mm. but I did find it fascinating um, as an exercise. So uh, I, that's to do with trust and truth. And I was thinking, I was listening to Stephen King's book uh, on writing the other day, mm. and he he was saying in writing, you mustn't lie when you're writing fiction. You mustn't lie. Now, fiction is a lie, but I know what he means. If, if the minute you say something and it's not really true, it's like it's all gone. So I think clown clown work is all about that. Mm. I'm not talking red nose and squeaky shoes and flower squirter. <laughs> no, but it's so true that that truth. I think you know the, some of the best comedy performances in movies and, and 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 plays and whatever it might be are are straight ones. 
where you're playing it straight or you're be- that ca- that character is straight in some way um and you believe in that character and that's where the comedy comes from sometimes because they're just you know um that i just finished watching i know this much is true with mark ruffalo have you seen oh, that oh brilliant yeah. Oh my God, it's devastating. It's so good, isn't yeah. it? And he's so true. Yeah. All the performances in that are true. I think it's amazing. Yeah, he's a phenomenal actor. But yeah, I think you do. I think you have to play them. You have to play it straight. You know, like all the best. You know, I think all the best comedies that have been around. You know, like I'm just thinking, like you know, I know you've done work, work with Christopher Guest, but those mock, you know, all the mockumentaries um, that from that from Christopher Guest and uh, his his sort of troop of uh, people that he gets in regularly uh, those they're so good because you believe in those characters and you and you know they they there's a truth in there with with the acting and the performances um and that's yeah, yeah. that's where the comedy comes yeah. from in those ones i think yeah definitely yeah yeah something that you're sometimes more likely to find in improvisation because you can feel it uh if you're writing you're in a different you're in a more coercive state already. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, maybe not. Maybe you channel the same kind of thing. I, I find it quite hard writing because I'm always trying to trying to look clever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want it to look. Yeah. Yes. Tiresome. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is. It is hard. The easiest bit of writing is sort of sitting down and the pre-writing and thinking about it. Actually doing it is difficult but you sort of know don't you when you sort of suddenly you are being a bit more truthful and you just you can feel it it's like a sort of a feeling you're just sort of you're you're being a bit more you're not trying to be too funny or too whatever you're just sort of being you and it sort of falls out a bit easier and but it's like peeling those layers off and like getting rid of the pretense and just sort of getting down to who you are um i've made that sound way more flowery than i need to but i think you guys, I hope you guys know no, what i mean i think you're right yeah, I think right. I think it is that. Yeah, you get stuck, too stuck in your head. You have to go for a walk because you just become a bullshit artist. <laughs> Take it to, around the park a few times and then. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you do when you have sort of uh, difficult moments writing or yeah. being creative? Go for a walk. Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes I just I don't think it's that healthy, but sometimes like I'll drink wine in the evening and it's suddenly like, oh, writing's fun. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, yeah, right drunk head at sober was Ernest Hemingway, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Dan, that's a good idea. <laughs> I might try that. Jim, it's us again. It is. We're here again with another uh, special announcement. And this one, Giles, is about a patron that we've launched because we love our blank community and we want to offer something extra to give back to them. We do. We do. We love we do love our community very, very much. And it's lovely interacting with our community on a weekly basis. But we want to just give you a bit more stuff, more blank stuff, because we feel that you might enjoy it. Yeah, so we're ex- we're trying to expand our community and expand what we can offer back to you guys for your support. So we're doing what every other podcast in the world is doing. We're starting a patron, uh, which means we can offer you guys more content. So our patron 
uh, URL is patreon.com, which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash blank podcast. And there, Giles, is a range of options you can sign up to. Yeah, there's all sorts of things that people can get from our various different tiers that you can find on there. How many tiers are there altogether, Jim? Well, there's four tiers in total. Um, and they offer a range of, of things. For example, you can get ad-free episodes. Uh, you can get them 24 hours earlier than the public get them. There's bonus content with our guests that only patrons will get. Um, Giles, there's, there's a 20% code off merchandise. Oh, my goodness. There's even more stuff that you can get that's <laughs> blank orientated. Um, there's also going to be a very exclusive Facebook group that people can interact with us and one another. And we can talk about the, all different things. But obviously, we can talk about the various guests coming out. We might be able to, able to give you our, our patrons some special insights into what guests are coming on so that they can pitch some questions themselves. Exactly. Just another way we're trying to get our listeners really involved in the community and the making of blank uh, and then in the top tier there's going to be bonus episodes Giles yeah and we're even going to do some director's commentary where we yes. tell you a little bit more about the the sort of things that have gone on when we've either gone to record with someone or that the process of recording the, the feelings we had on those days and just give you a little bit more insight into I guess what goes into making a podcast Indeed. So if all that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like to get on board with um, and you'd like to join our ever-expanding blank community and also help us keep making this podcast because your support through Patreon will help us keep making blank and we would really, really appreciate it because we love making this uh, this podcast and we want to keep doing it forever, essentially. Um, please do go to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash blank podcast and sign up to whichever tier takes your fancy. Um, just going back to um, her master's voice. Have you been back to the the ventriloquism um, conference since I those really days? I really nearly went. I felt the calling. I looked it up a couple of weeks ago and saw that there is one, and it's in the hotel of the airport of Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Holiday Inn Hotel Amazing. this year. And um, I just, I was. Uh, I was all about it. I just thought I need to go there. I need to talk to people and interview all the ventriloquists and everything. So I got really excited. I had three gigs on the three days that it was there, and I was like trying to cancel them. And then oh, I don't know. It just got fiddly. There's too much quarantine, and mm -hmm. I'm not going. But I really do want to go back. I want to go back to that weird airport hotel with that. Yeah, that was amazing. Breakfast. I mean. Everything sounds good, and after lockdown, you're like, "Yeah, take me to a holiday inn." God. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go literally anywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope you get back that place. It, that was a different place that, from the holiday, and that was called the Drawbridge Inn, and I think it went out of business tragically. Oh, oh. Oh, yeah, that is tragic. it had a real kind of dilapidated americano about it or sort of oh, something man. else yeah it's fun well hope you do get to go back at some point and let us keep us updated let us know thank you how it goes yeah yeah uh, next year and uh yeah that sounds amazing um nina it's been so lovely talking to you thank you so much it's thank just you, been thank you so much an absolute joy and a pleasure and thank you so much for sort of letting us delve into your world and and talk <laughs> about you. your life and your career it's been an absolute joy thank you yeah thank you so well, much well thanks very much for having me have a nice day <laughs> see you soon
Well, there you go, Jim. The wonderful Nina Conti. Well, I mean, what a fascinating episode. Really just sort of getting into the mindset of what she does and how she does it so well, I just thought it was really, really interesting. The whole idea of being truthful, I think, is it's so true no matter what you're you're doing, really. Certainly if you're performing, I think that's just basically the sort of core of what you should be doing. And I say that as a performer that finds that quite difficult to do. Like, it's not easy, but... You know, I think it's really, really important. Um, and I just, I like, I know we joked about it a lot, but the, the the idea of sort of being under the table, I think, is actually a really sort of relatable metaphor. Actually, I think we sort of can all relate to. So, um, yeah, thank you, Nina, so much for coming on and and sharing your your story with us. It was it was it was a delight and it was fascinating. Yeah, fantastic. And you know, like I said at the top, big fan of Nina's work and such treats to get to talk to her. And obviously, also if you are one of our Patreon listeners, um, you get a bit of extra content. We asked Nina an extra bonus kind of question, um, which is about, you know, again, about live performance. And so if you're interested in hearing that extra bit of uh, gubbins, as I like to call it, um, <laughs> <laughs> you can by um, signing up to our Patreon. Yes, which is uh, patreon.com, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash blank podcast. And there's various tiers on there. It's how you can sign up and get the the bonus content. So uh, we'd love to have you on board. We would. I've frozen, I think, on the screen, but uh, I'm still here. Yeah, you've frozen in a really natural, relaxed smile. It's lovely. No, normally people throw fries, fries, freeze. <laughs> I'm making up words now. They fries. Maybe I'm hungry. Uh, normally people freeze in um, very sort of scary faces, but you you froze normally, almost like a sort of promo photo. Like a sort of natural I do look quite jolly. It's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. It's really not. I'm going to take a screenshot. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. Of me doing the same face. Hang on, ready? I I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it doesn't look like I'm going to come back anytime soon, but it's all right. Um, At least you can still hear me. (laughs) So, yeah, that was a fantastic, fantastic chat with Nina. And thanks again for coming on and telling us all about your work and your life and how you got to where you are and where you're going yeah really 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 appreciate yeah. it um and if you'd like to get in contact with us send us a tweet let us know what you thought of this episode or any others you've enjoyed please do get in contact our twitter handle is at blank pod and we're also on facebook and instagram as well it's the exact same handle at blank pod and we also have an email address if you fancy sort of old-fashioned ways of getting in contact um, and our email address is the blank podcast 2018 at gmail.com it is indeed um, i think it's time to wrap up there while i look at your very smiley face <laughs> it's just, it's just, just lovely to look at to be honest um thank you so much charles thank you Jim. for uh, uh for being here and uh, to nina for joining us and to our listeners and our patrons thank you so much for your support have a great week stay safe and we'll see you again soon on the next blank podcast
I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.